This is the Bible in one year, day 22. How long, O Lord? Have there ever been times in your life when you found yourself wondering, How long, O Lord? How long will these struggles and disappointments last? How long will we have to face these financial difficulties? How long will these health issues persist? How long will the difficulties in this relationship last? How long will I struggle with this addiction? How long will these intense temptations last? How long will it take me to get over this loss? Pippa and I sometimes visit St. Peter's Brighton, one of our church plants. At the end of one service, a woman came up to us and told us that for 37 years she'd been praying for her husband to find faith in Christ. For all those 37 long years, she'd cried out, How long, O Lord, how long? When St. Peter's reopened in 2009, her husband decided he'd like to start coming to church with her. The moment he walked into St. Peter's, he felt he'd come home and had been reborn. Now he loves the church and comes every week. Throughout our conversation, she kept repeating with a huge expression of joy on her face, How long, O Lord, how long? God had heard. At last, her prayers were answered. Four times in quick succession, David cries out, How long? There are periods when it appears that God has forgotten us. It seems that he's hidden his face. For some inexplicable reason, we don't sense his presence with us. Every day seems to be a struggle, wrestling with our thoughts. Every day brings sorrow. We seem to be losing the battle, and the enemy seems to be triumphing over us. How should you respond in times like these? Psalm 13 How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Keep going. David's example suggests four things you should continue to do during difficult times. First, keep praying. David continues to cry out to God, Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes. He pours out his heart to God. Don't give up praying, even when God seems far away. Second, Keep trusting. But I trust in your unfailing love. I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. It's relatively easy to have faith when things are going well, but the test of faith is when things do not appear to be going well. Third, keep rejoicing. He doesn't rejoice in his trials, but in God's salvation. He says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I'm celebrating your rescue. Fourth, keep worshipping. In spite of everything he's been through, David is able to see the goodness of God. 
I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. He remembers all that God has done for him. As you begin to praise and worship God, it brings perspective to your problems. Sometimes I find it helpful to look back on my life and thank the Lord for bringing me through so many of my own personal struggles, disappointments and bereavements, and to remember how through it all He has been good to me. Lord, I worship you today. Thank you for your goodness to me. For all the battles ahead, I trust in your unfailing love. New Testament, Matthew 15. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? 
How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was four thousand men, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Keep following Jesus. Delay does not negate the promises of God. God does not always change our situations immediately. Sickness and suffering will not finally be eradicated until Jesus returns. These stories and our experiences of miracles and healings are a foretaste of what will happen then. The goodness of God is revealed supremely in Jesus. Once again, in this passage, we see the amazing goodness of Jesus and how to deal with sin, sickness and suffering. First, keep renewing your mind. Jesus says that our problem is not about superficial things, such as what we eat. Food goes in and out of your body. The things that harm you come from inside. What comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. The real issue is sin in the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make you unclean. The challenge of Jesus' words is that while we may not have committed murder or adultery, all of us fall at the first hurdle. The first attribute that Jesus mentions is evil thoughts. The solution to our sin is not external rituals as the Pharisees were suggesting. Only God can change my heart. I need the help of his Holy Spirit to transform and purify me. Second, keep praying for healing. There are few things more painful than seeing your own children suffering. The Canaanite woman's daughter was suffering terribly. This mother must have cried out in her heart, How long, O Lord? But she kept on asking for healing and refused to be discouraged by the fact that Jesus did not seem to be answering her request. She came and kneeling, worshipped him and kept praying, Lord, help me! Jesus saw that she had great faith and he healed her daughter. He went on to heal the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others. Third, keep acting on behalf of the hungry. Not only does Jesus deal with the issue of sickness, he also cares deeply about suffering caused by hunger. He says, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. Jesus is able to do a lot with a very little. With the small amount of food given to him, he feeds the crowd. If you give him your life and resources, however small they may seem to you, he's able to multiply them and use them greatly. If Jesus cared so much about temporary hunger, how much more must he care about the hundreds of millions of people in the world today who are suffering from hunger and malnutrition? As followers of Jesus, we are called to act on their behalf. 
Surely everybody would approve of Jesus? But no, the Pharisees were offended when they heard him. If even Jesus offended people by what he said, don't be surprised if some people are offended by what you say in his name. Lord, give me your compassion for suffering people. Come, Holy Spirit. Old Testament, Genesis 43 and 44. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? he asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, Bring your brother down here? Then Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy along with me and we will go at once, so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift, a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts, and doubled the amount of silver, and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. 
We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon, because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant our father is still alive and well, and they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and, controlling himself, said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Genesis chapter 44 Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from, and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, Why does my lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my lord's slaves. Very well, then, he said. Let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. 
and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you, go back to your father in peace. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my lord. Let me speak a word to my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my lord had said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. But we said we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my grey head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the grey head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then... Please let your servant remain here as my lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. Keep hoping. Jacob could have cried out like David, How long, O Lord, his suffering seems to go on and on. He'd been grieving for his lost son for over 20 years. Now there was a severe famine, and he faced the prospect of losing his much-loved Benjamin. He asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me? He says, almost in resignation, As for me, I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. Eventually, Jacob simply had to trust God 
and let go of his son, Benjamin. When he did so, things worked out. Very often it's not until we let go and commit a situation into the Lord's hands, perhaps fearing the worst, that God works it all out. The writer of this section of Genesis is a brilliant storyteller. He draws out the agony. Judah knows that if his father loses Benjamin as well as Joseph, it would probably kill him. He speaks of the misery that would come upon my father. All the while, we, the readers, know that Joseph is actually still alive and that through it all his dreams are being fulfilled. Joseph is deeply moved and has to look away for a place to weep. Joseph puts his brothers to the test. Judah's a changed man. Earlier he had callously sold his brother into slavery. Now he's willing to give his life to save his brother. Let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Through all the unexpected twists and turns of these events, God is at work, bringing about his purpose. He's always working on your character and enabling you one day to look back and say, The Lord has been good to me. Jacob had to send his only, his only one left, son Benjamin, to save the whole family. As we read this through the eyes of the New Testament, we are reminded that God sent his only son, Jesus, to save us. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. In the difficult times when I'm crying out, How long, O Lord? Help me to keep going, following Jesus, praying, trusting, rejoicing, worshipping, and putting my hope in you. Pippa adds, Genesis 43 is so moving and leaves us on a cliffhanger. So much hurt, jealousy, deceit and unkindness had gone on by all of them. Joseph tests the brothers to see what's in their hearts. Have they changed? Do they regret their actions? And when Joseph saw his brothers bow down to him, it must have been so tempting to say, do you remember those dreams? Or didn't I tell you? But some things are revealed to us for our own encouragement and are better not said to others.